0: Both Hebrews chapter 7 verse 19 and Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25 insist that we need to draw near to God through Christ. Draw near to God through Christ. Now the verb draw in the context of our text, it's describing a continuous action. It's not just something that you do once in the past. Drawing near is not just walking down the aisle right? It's not just the the revival Christian meeting under the tent. I see that hand, brother. Raise your hand if you'd like to come to Jesus today. It's, It's not just something you did one time in the past. That decisionism, that revivalism, which let's be honest. I mean, if you count the metrics, everybody in America got saved like three or four times, and there wasn't a lot of good fruit. So I could do without that. I'm not, I'm not saying there were no good things, right? I just talked about honoring your father, so I don't want to be a complete hypocrite. I want to honor those who came before us. But there, there were problems with that spirit of revivalism. You know, I I know what people are saying when they say, we're praying for revival. I, I know what you're saying, and I agree. But but I think it is helpful in our language to be precise. I'm praying for reformation. I'm praying that God would send reformation to our land. Um, that That, that we would that we would reform the church, that we would not just tear down the the foundations. When the foundations are destroyed, what can the righteous do? The Bible says. So I I don't want to deconstruct and start completely over. And I don't want it to be led by an emotionalism, a decisionism, right? Because everything falls back on that one action right, when you're contemplating, when you're struggling with doubt, when you're struggling with the assurance of salvation that we've talked so much about recently, a lot of the American revivalism culture that we live in, it it all, what it says is, it goes back to that one past action, were you sincere? Sincerity is always the emphasis, that's always the key. Were you sincere? Were you sincere enough? When you walked down the aisle, when you raised your hand, when you invited Jesus into your heart, when you made that decision, right? It wasn't God. <laughs> you know, God forbid he be sovereign, right? It's you. You're, you're the sovereign one in a, in a truly American fashion. You're the sovereign one, individualistic, atomistic man. And, and when you, as king sovereign of your autonomous life, made that decision, did you make it seriously? Did you feel it? Did you feel it in your bowels? Like how, how sincere were you? Did you cry? That always helps. Right? You can always get a little boosted assurance of salvation if you have a memory of crying. Because if we know anything, we know that, that he who cries is being truthful. I remember my dad taught me that. I made a girl cry when I was in, in junior high in our youth group at church. And I said something to her that was true. Now, I don't know if I should have said it. I can't remember all the details. But I, I know for a fact that you know, I was in the office with my dad and with her dad. My dad was the pastor. And I offended this girl because she was doing something I felt like was, was unrighteous and, and bringing reproach to Christ's name at high school. And I brought it up in youth group. And I said it to her. And she started crying. And her dad was upset. And I remember my dad said he kind of you know, said it tongue-in-cheek tongue and winked at me. Um, but he said, you know, well, we want to be gentle. We want to be kind. These kinds of things. Um, whether that's true or not, you know, he didn't really get into whether it was true. But, but at the end, in front of her and her dad, I remember he said, um, and son, this is just a good lesson to learn about women. Um, if they cry, they win. And what he was saying is, you know, he was saying, and that's wicked. That's wrong. You know, and They laughed. But he talked to me afterwards and said, yeah, and that's, that's wrong. Hopefully we get that sorted out in our culture and in church culture. That's wrong. But that's where we've been, right? We live in a me too culture, believe all women. Right? Thank God for Johnny Depp. <laughs> the first time a man has actually won against a woman, that's great. I'm encouraged by that. Maybe the tides are changing. Right? But, but the reality, I like, like how Doug Wilson says it. We think in terms of whoever is first to run into the room, and declare their case, that's the victim. When the reality is, if that person runs into the room, bears false witness, the person that they are lyingly accusing, that's the true victim. Believe it or not, a man can be a victim of a woman who bears false witness against him. And I'm not sitting here trying to play the world's smallest violin for men, but it is Father's Day. And women, you've had the limelight for the last 30 years. Every Mother's Day sermon is, thank God for moms. And yes, thank God for moms. And then Father's Day sermon is, do better, you guys suck. Right? So I don't want to do that. It's good to be a man, and I'm glad we have men. Praise God for men. And men sometimes are right. (laughs) Believe it or not. Right? Happy wife, happy life. So sick of that. Right. Somebody on, on through YouTube uh, commented on one of my videos. And uh, he said, yeah, you know, a woman in the church was talking about the importance of honoring mothers and honoring women. And said, you know, happy wife, happy life. And he, he responded. He said, I responded to her by saying, um, happy man comes home again. <laughs> like, do you want him to leave forever? Or do you want him to come back? Then be nice to him. <laughs> be kind to him. honor." Okay, so all that being said, this this rubble in in American Christianity, kind of the the grassroots of of the history of what we're now, the fumes that we're now running on, a lot of it, some of it is good, but some of it, you know, some of it is good because it comes from the first great awakening, Jonathan Edwards. Some of it is pretty shallow and weak because it comes from the second great awakening. It, It comes from Charles Finney. I don't know if some of you guys are familiar with him. That's where we get, by the way, the altar call. Do you know where the altar call comes from? If you ever want to just read horrible theology, you can, you can look at his systematic theology book. But that, what that comes from is uh, it was termed the anxious bench. And the anxious bench was when the revival preacher was preaching, and he was really preaching. And, and he would say, you know, he'd stop mid, midway in his sermon and say, some of you, you're underneath the conviction of the Spirit even now. You're trembling, you're crying, you're sweating, and you need to come on down. And they would leave the front row, so it wasn't actually an altar, it was the front pew. They would leave it open, and you need to come on down and, and, and sit on the anxious bench so that I can preach directly to you. And then, and then he would ignore the rest of the people there and just look at the front row and just start talking to them. And preaching to them. And that's where the altar call actually came from. Uh, and that's, that was this revivalistic decisionism, emotionalistic. And it was all about what do you feel? What's your experience? And when later down the road you begin to doubt and you begin to question, what you look at is past moments. A past decision. And what are you looking for? Sincerity. Did you make that past decision with sincerity? And man, that, that, that principle shaved off like a good nine years of my Christian life. I spent the better part of nine years like a little five-year-old girl sitting in a field with a flower, pulling off the petals, God loves me, God loves me not, God loves me. And all of it based on not the character of God, but all of it based on my character. It was all relative to me. I was the deciding factor and how sincere I was and how real that experience was. Did I cry enough, you know? Like I'm trying to... Like a 14-year-old girl on Instagram, I'm trying to make myself tear up. I mean, really, it's, it's not just unbiblical. It's effeminate. It's not just... It's not just theologically wrong. it's effeminate. There's a reason why men don't like church. There's a reason, because we've taken the entire Christian faith and forced it through, through this filter of feminism, so that church appeals to women. It's emotional. It's experiential. It's about your story. It's about your felt needs. It's about programs, right? you got to have the midweek programs. All these different things to help you, serve you, flatter you. And men just leave. And I'm not excusing men, but that's what's happened is that we leave all that back to our text. What the Apostle says is that we must draw near to God and that drawing near to God is not a one-time event in the past. It is not an emotional moment. It is not a moment of sincerity and walking down the aisle to the anxious bench. It is not responding to the altar call. It's not a moment of of, of a decision to invite Jesus into your heart. It's not something that that's about you. And it's not something that you did. It's something that you actually are doing. And it's something that you are doing only because God is doing something in and through you. Right. Thanks so much for listening. But real quick.